Chapter two eighteen of Varney the Vampire, Volume three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Varney the Vampire, Volume three, by Thomas Prescott Prest. Chapter two eighteen. The young girl in the village and the awful visit. It is now necessary that we draw the reader's attention to a humbler place of residence than the Grange, with its spacious chambers and lordly halls. Situated not very far from the church, and almost close to the churchyard, upon which its little garden abutted, was a cottage, the picture of rural neatness and beauty. In the winter it was beautiful and picturesque, but in the summer-time, when its porch was overrun with the woodbine and the sweet clematis, it was one of the sweetest of abodes that content and happiness could ever live in. This cottage was inhabited by an old woman and her only child, a young girl of sixteen, beautiful as a rose and as guileless as an angel. They contrived to live upon a small annuity that the mother had from a family in whose service she spent the best years of her life, and who with a generosity that would be well to be abundantly and extensively imitated, would not see their old dependent want. These two innocent and blameless persons had retired to rest at nine o'clock, their usual hour, and had slept the calm sleep of contentment until about half-past one when the mother was awakened by a loud and piercing shriek from her daughter's chamber. To spring from her humble couch was the work of a moment. Anna, Anna, my child, Anna, she shrieked. As she did so, she rushed across the small stair landing, which separated the two and the only two upper rooms of the cottage, and was about to enter her daughter's room when the door of it was opened from within, and the old dame's heart died within her, as she saw a figure upon the threshold, attired in the vestments of the grave, and opposing her entrance. Was it a dream, or did she really see such a sight? Aghast and trembling, the mother stood, unable for a moment or two to speak, and as she fell fainting upon the landing, she thought that something passed her, but she could not be quite sure, as it was at the instant her faculties were flitting from her. How long she lay in that seeming death she knew not, and when she recovered, it was some few minutes before recollection came back to her, and she really remembered what had so completely overpowered her. But when her reason did resume its sway, and she recollected that it was some danger to Anna which had first alarmed her. She called her loudly by her name. Anna, Anna, speak to me. Mother, mother, replied the young girl, oh, come to me. These words supplied strength to the old woman, and rising she made her way immediately into the chamber of her daughter, whom she found in an agony of fear. A light was procured, and then Anna flung herself upon her mother's neck, and wept abundantly. Oh, mother, tell me, convince me, that it was only a dream. 
What, my child? Oh, what? The girl trembled so much that it was only by the utmost persuasion that the following account was got from her of the cause of her fright. She said that she had gone to sleep as usual within a very few minutes after going to bed, that she enjoyed a calm and uninterrupted slumber, the duration of which she had no means whatever of guessing, but she was partially awakened by a noise at the window of her room. She instantly rose and stood looking at the window, on which a sort of shadow seemed to pass without which alarmed her exceedingly. Still, as it did not come again, and as she certainly had not been fully awake when she sprung from her bed, she had thought it quite possible that all might be a dream, and had forborne from making any alarm upon the subject. After some hesitation she had persuaded herself to go to bed again, and when there, although she sometimes started awake, fancying she heard something she at length yielded to sleep and again slept soundly for a time until a new circumstance awakened her she thought she felt something touching her about the neck and after opening her eyes the moonlight which at that moment happened to be very bright disclosed to her a white figure standing by the side of her bed the face of which figure was leaning over her and within a very few inches of her own terror at first deprived her of all power of speech or motion but as the figure did not move she at length gave utterance to her fears in that shriek which had come from her lips and so much alarmed the mother this was all the young girl could say with the exception that the figure when she shrieked appeared to glide away, but where to she had no means of telling, for some clouds at that moment came again over the face of the moon. The mother was much affected and terrified, and at first she thought of calling up her neighbours, but at length, as the night was considerably advanced, and the intruder gone, they agreed to let the matter rest till morning, and the mother retired to her room again. How long it was before the shriek from her daughter's room came again, she did not know, but come again it did. Yes, again came the dreadful shriek. It was, it could be no delusion now, and the mother once more sprung from her couch to rush to the rescue of her child. Confused and bewildered, she darted onward to the chamber, but the door was fast nor could all her exertions suffice to open it. Anna, Anna, she shouted, speak to me, one word only, my child, my child. All was still. The trembling mother placed her ear to the door, and she heard a strange sucking sound, as if an animal was drinking with labour and difficulty. Her head seemed to be on fire, and her senses were upon the point of leaving her, but she did manage to reach her own room. She flew to the little casement, she dashed it open. Help! 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 For the love of God, help! There was no reply. 
again she raised her voice in shrieking wild accents help murder help what is it shouted a man's voice it was one who was going some distance to take in his fishing nets oh thank god some human being hears me come in come in how am i to get in stay a moment and i will come down and open the cottage door for you for the love of mercy do not go away trembling and terrified to a dreadful excess the old woman went downstairs and let the man into the cottage whence they both proceeded up to the chamber of the daughter what do you suppose is the matter asked the fisherman oh i know not i know not but twice to-night twice has this dreadful alarm happened do not leave us oh do not i don't want but i should hardly think thieves would find it worth their while to come here at all for what they would get you must have been dreaming oh that i could think so anna's chamber was reached and there to the horror of the mother she was found lying perfectly insensible on her bed with a quantity of blood smeared about her neck why it's a murder cried the fisherman and firmly impressed with such a belief he ran out of the house to spread an alarm the window of the chamber was wide open and from that the mother now cried aloud for help so that between her and the fisherman such a disturbance was made all over the neighbourhood that they were soon likely to have more assistance than could be useful the people living the nearest were soon roused and they roused others while the distracted woman who believed anna was dead called for justice and for vengeance the alarm spread from house to house from cottage to hall and in the course of half an hour most of the inhabitants of the village had risen to hear the old dame's account of the horrible proceeding that had taken place that night in the cottage exaggeration was out of the question the fact itself was more than sufficient to induce the greatest amount of horror in the minds of all who heard it and there was one and only one whose information enabled him to give a name to the apparition that had assaulted anna that one was the schoolmaster of the place and he after hearing the story said if one could persuade oneself at all of the existence of such horrors one would suppose that a vampire had visited the cottage this was a theme that was likely to be popular the schoolmaster foolishly gave way to the vanity and explained what a vampire was or was supposed and said to be and soon the whole place was in a state of the most indescribable alarm upon the subject as yet the horrible news had not reached the grange but it was destined soon to do so and better would it have been that any one had at once plunged a dagger in the heart of poor sir george crofton than that there should be thought to be such a horrible confirmation of his worst fears to be sure his daughter was not named but he received the news with a scream of anguish and fell insensible into the arms of his son 
all was confusion the servants ran hither and thither not knowing what to do and it was not until mr bevan arrived that something like order was restored he as a privileged friend assumed for the nonce a kind of dictatorship at the grange and gave orders which were cheerfully and promptly obeyed then he desired a strictly private interview with sir george it was of course granted to him but the old baronet begged that charles and edwin might now know all it was emma alone from whom he wished to keep the awful truth End of chapter 218